Are you ready to learn? Because my super experienced guests are ready to share some really valuable information. Make sure and listen all the way to the end to get help and support. So let's start with the best audio experience. Hello, guys. Welcome. Welcome to our show. Good people, welcome. By the way, I don't want to discriminate bad people. Welcome to our show as well. Anyone who want to learn more about storytelling style, welcome. Because today you can't set up generic message because customers never buy your products. You need to create story to share your story that big brands always do. And I'm so excited to discuss this topic with Joe Laser. How are you? I'm good. Yeah. Welcome everyone here. The heroes, the villains, everyone who's a little bit in between. Uh, we can all learn about how to tell a great story uh, and how that can help us in business leadership in life. So super excited to be here. Yeah, yeah. For me, it's a big pleasure. I love learning more about storytelling style. I always craft my story uh, because, you know, it's boring when you read something without story. It's generic, nothing special. Joe, before we start, just tell more about yourself, experience, background, and why you pay so much attention to storytelling. Sure, I'd love to. Uh, so my name is Joe Laser. Uh, I'm the author of a book called The Storytelling Edge about the science of storytelling and how to use that to build deeper relationships with customers, uh, with people at work, um, in your everyday life. Uh, I am the head of marketing at a company called A-Team, which brings together teams of the best product builders in the world to create transformative products for startups and enterprise companies. Uh, for a long time, I was the head of marketing at Contently, um, which is a company that more or less created the practice of content marketing, um, was one of the pioneers in the space. And, and that essentially is the the art of using stories, right, as a main vehicle for your marketing, um, to tell stories about the things that you really care about as a brand, to build deeper relationships with prospects and customers, to deliver value to people instead of simply just asking them to fill out a form or to hop on a demo call, right, actually leading with the value that you can present to people. And you can do that um, through great content that you know, helps you do your job better, that helps you enjoy your passions in life better. Um, and I believe fundamentally as humans, we are storytelling animals. We're storytelling creatures. <laughs> so if you actually want to capture someone's attention and you want to build a deeper relationship with them, you can't really do that without stories. Yeah, I agree. I couldn't agree more with that. Okay, Joe, uh, you know, I love reading books. You mentioned that you wrote your book. And all books have stories. Uh, I don't remember books any book. stories. <laughs> yeah, it's like story, you know, even to write a book. So, you know, but uh, if we are talking about business books, uh, they are great for sleep. Most of them. I, I can't tell mm -hmm. that. Every, yeah. All books, but most of them. You know, when you have problems with sleep, uh, you can take a new boring book to read it, uh, sleep well all night and don't remember anything. Uh, but, you know, some uh, business books are great. You know, I love reading them. For example, um, I wrote, uh, I read a book uh, from uh, uh, Seth Godin, you know, uh, Purple Cow. I love this book. Uh, for example, Josh Sugarman wrote great books 40 years ago about... Uh, uh, how to retain customers longer. Uh, and can you tell how to write uh, 
any piece of content, including books, uh, that can uh, catch attention and retain readers until the end because uh, bounce rate is high and uh, customers have no time to read uh, boring content. Uh, let, let me tell more about that. You know, interesting that I had uh, an episode with uh, Jim Edwards. He has been working in Business Insider 10 years. He started on this company from scratch. Then uh, the company was sold for $500 million, uh, thousand employees. And he told the success of Business Insider depends on creating non-boring content. So the niche is boring, you know, but uh, Business Insider changed the strategy to create non-boring content. Can you tell, according to your experience, to how to create non-boring content? Yeah, it's a great question. And Business Insider is a great example, right? Because they saw a niche in the landscape where you had a lot of business content that was like the Wall Street Journal and the Financial Times and the New York Times that the way they approached business content 10 years ago was a little bit drier than they did today. And they saw an opportunity to bring more of that voicey blogger style with still really good reporting. Um, and, and they're a great example of this. Uh, I've done a lot of research um, with different neuroscientists that study the literal science of storytelling. And what a lot of the research points to is four keys uh, to great storytelling that really are things that writers have inherently known uh, for a long time. Um, so the first is relatability. So you want to tell a story where basically you as the reader or the viewer or the listener um, you can see yourself in that story. This is why when we're teenagers, right? Like we love teen movies because we can see ourselves in the characters. It's why uh, if you go to watch a rom-com with like Jack Nicholson and Diane Keaton, you're, you're pretty likely to see an audience in there that's like 65 and older, right? It's because we gravitate towards the tour of stories that we can see ourselves in. Um, so when you think about telling uh, a business story that you really want to hook someone, creating that sense of relatability where it's like when I'm writing for other marketers, like this is a this is an experience that I found myself in that was not great, right? Or that was uncomfortable, or that put me with a really hairy problem that I had to solve. Um, that sense of relatability where the reader can immediately say like, oh yeah, I've experienced that. I've experienced that feeling, that situation. That sense of relatability uh, just greatly increases your chance of creating a connection with the audience. Um, but the second key that you really need is tension. And I think tension is best manifested now, right now, in what we would call like a hook. This is probably the buzzword of the year lately when it comes to thinking about social content in particular. It's like, what is your hook for everything you're creating? Because you can't stop people. Oh, sorry. Getting a call. You can't stop people on the scroll. Uh, without creating a really strong hook. Um, so whether it's like a LinkedIn PDF, those new document posts are like the hottest thing right now on LinkedIn. It's crazy to see the people come back. Um, or it's a, an Instagram reel or a TikTok reel or a TikTok video, right? Like you need that immediate hook, that text on the screen or that rolling caption that's going to bring people in. That's like, I found myself in this incredibly treacherous situation. Here's how I got out of it. Um, the third is fluency, and that manifests itself as just like a really easy to read experience. Um, a lot of marketers tend to like conflate complexity with authority, but really just writing at like an elementary or middle school level. 
greatly increases your chances of letting someone come in. You want to break down the barrier uh, between you and your audience. Um, and finally, I, yeah, and finally, uh, novelty. So you need to introduce something new that they haven't heard before. If you just see like the same exact SEO advice or the same exact business best practices you've read a million times, no one's going to give a crap. Um, but if you can really master that checklist of four elements of storytelling, relatability, tension, fluency, and novelty, every time you're creating a piece of content, you're going to greatly increase your chances of success. Mm -hmm. Awesome. Valuable. Uh, once I spoke with uh, my client who told me uh, he tried to film uh, fake videos about customer uh, reviews, you know, uh, and uh, he paid for some bad actors, you know, to film these videos. But when he asked uh, real customers to create testimonials, uh, the quality was less, but uh customers can recognize fake from real and uh, that work uh, you know if uh, it's real if it's not fake but you know today for example if i go to chat gpt i can ask please write me a story you know this tool can do anything if you ask you know write me a story uh, please add such data and can you tell how it's important to be honest, real, uh, transparent uh, when you create your story because I still get uh, questions from my customers. I don't know uh, how to uh, share my real story. Probably people don't like it. Any insights about that? Yeah, I mean, so let's talk about ChatGPT and storytelling because the thing is ChatGPT still isn't good at storytelling. Like I've tried a million different ways to get ChatGPT to tell me a story that's not going to put me to sleep. Um, and it's really, really hard. It still is. It's very generic. It's very broad. Um, the best use case of this I've actually seen uh, was uh, this, this professor um, at Wharton, uh, Ethan Mollick. I wrote about this in my newsletter this week. He asked, uh, he asked Bing's AI to learn Vonnegut's rules of writing. So Kurt Vonnegut wrote these like very classic eight rules of writing. Uh, it was like the first thing that I learned when I wanted to become a writer when I was 15 years old. Uh, and once he did that, uh, the AI actually wrote this kind of like pretty good, like haunting little two paragraph story. Um, but the thing that the AI doesn't have that people are really going to crave, and that's going to become so much, much more important uh, in the years to come is what I would call like a truly human story. So what inevitably is going to happen right now is that we all have access to chat GPT. We have action access to open AI's playgrounds, things, AI's tw things, AI tool is going to, you know, come out in a larger way. We have Jasper, all these different tools, much, much easier to create content than ever before. So we already have too much content online. Like we're already in a deluge of content and there's now just going to be this flood of AI content that's going to, uh, greatly accelerate over the next year. Um, and what I think is going to happen amidst all of that is that as humans, we are going to start seeking out stories that we can authentically feel are coming from a human and not from an AI. Mm -hmm. And that's going to mean telling very detailed, funny, emotional, personal stories about yourself. That's going to be one of the most valuable assets you're going to have is being able to tell those personal stories of experiences that you've had, things that you've overcome in your career, 
times that you've messed up in your life, right? You've messed up at your job, breakthroughs that you've had that you can write about, but maybe an AI can like make up that scenario, but it's not going to feel nearly as authentic as, it come, as when it comes from you. And I think we're also going to gravitate towards formats in which we can uh, feel confident that you're hearing a human on the other side. So video is going to be more important. Audio is going to be more important. You're ahead of the trend already here, right? Mm -hmm. um, or if it's a written language, if it's a written word, you're going to have to have a voice that just rips through the page where you're like, this is not the way that an AI would write. You know, like it's, it's funny, it's creative, um, it's using interesting wordplay. Uh, it's not the sort of predictable text predictor cadence that you get from ChatGPT, because that's ultimately all these tools are. These LLMs are just amazing text predictors. Nice, nice. Uh, by the way, you know, uh, it's interesting that uh, almost everyone uh, uses ChatGPT to write text. But I tried something different because, you know, uh, people complain that uh, it's not new. It's just rewriting. Okay, grammar stuff is good, you know, uh, looks good, but it's not new. You know, just uh, the same content that we have uh, today. And you mentioned about novelty. It's important to uh, provide something new. And uh, what I tried on ChatGPT, I wrote my text from scratch and asked ChatGPT to edit this text. You know, uh, I have a few editors in my team. I usually mm. share all text to them. and But this time I ask, uh, please estimate the quality of this editing and I got reply nice good job uh, they can edit in different way but uh, it looks quality you know uh, like, yeah so yeah uh, yeah, no, you can do. Mm -hmm. yeah, yeah no like AI is a good editor right now I think that's one of the better use cases like one thing I've been using it for is taking sort of jargony marketing copy that people inside our company write um and then using i like open ai's playground instead of chat gpt it's just a little bit better um but using the open ai playground to just ask it to like rewrite this copy using like simpler and simpler more concise text with active yeah. verbs and uh, it actually it helps if you use some of the language of an engine of an editor when you're doing your prompts there um, because then it'll respond a little bit better. Um, I think it's the same thing for images as well. I don't know if have you played around with like Dolly and Midjourney and Stable Diffusion and like those tools for creating yeah digital images. Yeah, yeah, yeah like I that. If mine, yeah, mm -hmm. it's amazing, right? Like. I, I make all of the hero images for my <laughs> newsletter now using that. I'm not a designer and it's like, holy shit, this is incredible. <laughs> but I'm not as good at using the tool as the creative director on my team who can like tell it like every little detail and element of what uh -huh. he wants, right? So it's still that ability to tell the AI what you want, the way you would direct like an early, a younger employee on your team or an intern on your team to be like, Here's how you should be writing this piece differently. Here's how you should be designing differently. Like that's how you really unlock the breakthrough work from these tools. So it's, it's this interesting balance where you still need to know like what you're talking about and what you really want. Yeah. Yeah. Nice. Nice. Um, uh, 
let's talk about uh, crafting uh, storytelling stuff, even you know, even more. Mm. Uh, for example, when I listen to Gary Vee, you know, he's famous about sharing yeah. content online, and he always replies the same. Uh, I was born uh, and in ex Soviet Union, uh, in Russia, you know, and uh, I uh, got the story from him like. Uh, I don't remember. It's really hard to count like 100 times. No. Mm-hmm. He always replies the same story. He can start from the story and uh, lead content in the different direction. Can you tell, uh, is it a good idea to uh, tell the same story? For example, if I have many products, if I have many e-commerce pages, uh, and uh, is it a good idea to share the same story or it's better to live uh, on place like I don't know about us page uh, or just in one place it's, it's enough what do you think well I think it depends on the context and the audience you're trying to reach right so say like an e-commerce page it depends what value you're trying to provide to the reader you know like the classic thing that everyone complains about is take recipe content right? You go to want to get a recipe for like making chicken franchise or making seafood gumbo. But first you have to read like a 1400 word personal essay from the food blogger before you get the recipe, um, basically to make you scroll. And so like you see more display ads most of the time. <laughs> yeah. um, and everyone complains about that because what the user is trying to accomplish on that is getting a recipe, not like hearing about this story of the seafood gumbo that your great grandmother made in New Orleans. And I'm sure it's a great story, but that's not what the person is looking for. So context really matters, right? If you're on an e-commerce page, someone probably just wants to understand like, what is this like product I'm buying? Like, what are the reviews for it? You know, what's the price? What does it do? How fast is it going to ship to me? Um, They don't need like an entire story about how it was made. If that is like they're coming to that page off of like an Instagram ad, maybe, you know, it's sustainable and yada, yada, yada. Um, A little bit of that will give good context. Um, But, you know, storytelling is best used in in contextually the right way. Um, So probably in that case, say with uh, e-commerce story, what might be a good universal story to tell um, a la Gary Vee is like the values of your company. So what make it special? Like, is it, you know, all manufactured in the United States, like using like sustainable materials? And this is the story of like why we as founders decided to start this company. You know, we were working at, you know, big corporation Y. We were seeing all the incredible waste that was going on. We were seeing how workers across the world were being mistreated by this company. And we thought, you know, we're going to make, baby toys in a way that actually is creating a better world for our children that we're buying them from. And so that's what inspired us to make this company and to handcraft these toys and these products for you. Like that type of universal story, I would say, yes, should be a part of a lot of your advertising to bring people in. But then when you get to the actual page, like think about what they want, which is probably just the nuts and bolts of the price and how to buy it. Mm -hmm. Nice, nice. Uh, Once I watch uh, a presentation uh, about a new Apple Watch, Tim Cook shared this Apple Watch, you know, uh, and uh, he didn't share features that this Apple Watch is great. He shared three stories how Apple Watch can decide problems uh, of three different people. Uh, and uh, after watching this presentation, I got the feeling I needed 
I want to have this Apple Watch that can decide my problems, simplify my life. Uh, and I bought three pairs for me, for my son, my wife. They probably kill me, you know, if I yeah. just uh, buy only for myself. But, you know, uh, can you tell how to craft such stories that create the feeling of owning, of having it? You know, because, for example, when I watch a presentation of new BMW, Uh, it's not like Apple Watch that I can buy uh, right now. But uh, anyway, I see happy people who drive this car. I don't know about these features. Uh, yeah, okay, I can find it. Uh, it uh, on website, I can find special, uh, I don't know, blog where I can read all features. But in most cases, in the first visible screen or uh, video, I see uh, happy people and nice looking car. So uh, can you tell how to create the feeling of owning something uh, by sharing story? Yeah. So, I mean, think about, I think that experience you just told is a really great example, right? Of kind of the sequence of it. So when you first, what, get, what drove you to that, that top of funnel, like that first exposure to Apple Watch with those stories that put you in the position of that person, right? That could be solving a really big problem in your life with this watch and you thought, man, that could be me. Like I could be optimizing my sleep and so much more productive at work. Um, I could ditch my, leave my phone at home and go out for a run and not be so tethered to all my apps and still be able to text and call my wife and kids, right? You could put yourself in that picture and that's creating a really relatable story that Tim Cook is doing right there. But I bet when, you know, you went to actually buy the watch, you didn't need to read all of those stories all over again, right? Like you just wanted to know, how do I yeah. order this as soon as possible? Um, so when you think about like, I, I guess your question is like, how do we really like find a way to tell these stories to put ourselves in, in that person's shoes? Um, I'd say you have to really understand your audience and who you're trying to sell to. Like this is, I think really the number one thing when it, comes to storytelling and it even just comes to marketing um, in the first place. Like marketing is literally understanding your market, which means understanding your buyer. And you need to know that buyer really deeply. Like what are their challenges? Like what are their hopes? What are their aspirations? Um, where do they most want to get to in life? What are the insecurities that they worry they're not doing well enough? And if you can really know that buyer, like almost like a person in your head, like a friend that you are talking to and giving advice to like over a, a drink at happy hour. Um, if you can make your audience your muse, your creative muse, then it becomes so much easier to tell a story for that one person. Um, you know, we taught, we taught one of the rules that the AI got taught about Vonnegut uh, for his rules of writing was to write for just one person. Um, and when you can craft wow. that buyer in your head really, really tightly, and you are creating that story for just one person, that's how you start to create that type of emotional story that breaks through. Um, and, and so that means like literally just spend the time to talk to your audience. Like not everything is, is something that we can get from doing search research on what are they searching for the most or what channels do they post on the most on social media or like what are some buyer demographics we can get? You know, there are... 40-year-old uh, man who lives in the Midwest and has three kids and two dogs, like it's useful demographics to know, but it won't really tell you what 
makes that person want to get up in the morning, what their greatest fears are, but actually talking to them about the challenges they're facing will. Um, and, and that's what really gives you like those great creative insights um, that lets you tell truly human stories. Yeah, nice, nice, nice. Awesome, awesome. Okay, uh, I'm interested about common mistakes. Uh, can you list mistakes that companies still do by crafting their stories? Uh, and can you unite with marketing because you're head of marketing uh, in a team? Uh, so uh, any insights, uh, How uh, what common mistakes companies do and uh, how to find a much better way? I think a lot of companies think about what do I want to say, right? What is just the message that we want to get out there? What are we trying to sell rather than what does our audience really want? Like, how am I delivering value to them? Um, audience first, customer centric or buzzwords you hear all the time from marketers, but I, a lot of times it isn't acted upon. So it, it's one like really, truly thinking about not what am I trying to get out of the story I'm telling or piece of content I'm creating, but what value, what am I giving to my audience? What am I teaching them? Um, what sort of entertaining or emotional experience are they going to want to walk away with? And a, a commitment to that is probably the biggest mistake. I think the second is an over-reliance on outdated SEO tactics. So just thinking that I'm just going to create a bunch of generic content that uses these keywords that my competitors have done before and just posting a ton of that content and expecting like magically you to build up an audience or even to rank because when you're just creating a lot of that generic content in mass um your, your chances of ranking for any highly competitive keyword are super low um and your chance of ranking for lower long-tail keywords is essentially like a game of chance like it's a roll of the dice maybe it will work maybe it won't but if you're not introducing anything new into the world you're not going to like earn backlinks from valuable domains that are going to link to it you're not going to attract an audience with that content because it's not very good um and, and this is just still an outdated tactic that i see a lot of companies think is still the best way to build up a content program but honestly it's kind of a waste of time um <laughs> I think also not fully understanding, like, what does your brand believe in? Like, what is the fundamental belief system that you have about how the world could be better for your customers that is unique to you and is unique to your perspective? Because all of your best stories, all of your best, you know, kind of brand moments or you know, ways that you communicate your brand through events, through different themes you're talking about, through your thought leadership. Like it comes to that. You have to know what is your why um, for why you started your company, why you exist for the world that you want to create. Um, and a lot of people don't really know that. Uh, and it's a tough thing to figure out and it takes time to figure out, um, but it's really, really important. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Uh, okay. Let's talk about uh, how uh, to find the balance between uh, knowing or learning your customers and uh, using intuition and experience. It's interesting, you know, because I spoke with a few big influencers and many of them don't know their customers, but they usually play themselves. You know, they, uh, for mm -hmm. example, can share thoughts that they have and people follow them. 
because they love it. So probably it's natural way to uh, get customers uh, because they are the same. And once I read uh, interesting book about girl, uh, she was an introvert, uh, so introvert. But once uh, she decided to post content about herself, uh, and million people are the same, started to follow her because uh, million people are the same. So uh, I'm interested about to finding the balance between learning your customers and using intuition uh, because sometimes we need to test, to analyze, to figure out what actually will work for us. Yeah, I would argue that in both those cases, they probably know their customer more than they think, right? So like those influencers <laughs> that are playing themselves, like they know what's funny to their friends, right? They're getting like feedback from like people in their social circle who watch their videos. Like that's probably who they're creating for, you know, most of the time, like, uh, like corporate bro, right? One of the most popular, like, you know, satire corporate accounts, like you know, it's the sort of jokes that probably worked at every happy hour he was ever at and like where he would make fun of the way that his company operates. Um, so you still have an audience in your mind that you're creating for, but you might not like know your customers intimately because it's a bunch of people behind, you know, the TikTok, you know, like button or on Instagram, but you still sort of know who that audience is. Um, take the the girl who's an introvert, right? Well, she's almost creating content for her herself in a way or probably her other introverted friends. Um, and what do they find like funny and relatable about being an introvert? Um, but that's like a great example of relatability right there, right? Like the reason that tons of other people found it relatable is because, you know, introverts are whatever, 53% of the population. Um, and hearing someone else like express in a very like just, you know, super authentic, like real way, like what is the experience of being an introvert around like all those crazy extroverts out there? Um, that makes you want to engage with that content and feel like that person like gets you and knows you. Yeah, nice, nice. Okay, Joe, I have the question about your experience. Uh, you know, I have uh, many students in my network and some of them are looking for ways what to learn today, uh, how to develop their skills. And let's imagine you started from scratch without any experience, knowledge, skills, just uh, it's your first day. What will you do today to learn more about uh, storytelling? It's a great question. A book that I would recommend that everyone read um, is The Storytelling Animal by Jonathan Gottschall. I It is the book that sent me down the rabbit hole of really understanding the way that our brain understands stories about how stories are very key to who we are as human beings. Um, stories are probably the most human thing that there is. You know, they're the way that we survived um for millennia they're the way that we were able to come together um and build societies and cultures and pass down lessons from generation to generation uh neanderthals were literally stronger and smarter than us but we are the the species of of the homo species that survived uh because we were able to cooperate and work in groups mostly through shared stories and shared myths so I think once you sort of read that book, which is also like wildly entertaining, like he's a great writer and a great storyteller. Um, it's also a pretty quick read. It, it opens up your eyes in terms of the way that stories operate on a fundamentally human level. Um, and then past that, like I really encourage people to like to practice your craft. You know, like you can read a lot about storytelling, but really the best way to hone it 
is to do it, is to write, you know, record, um, but then also find people that you can trust to give you good constructive feedback on what's working and what's not. Um, in, yeah, when you're learning to become a writer, there's this thing called a writing workshop. Like I went to Sarah Lawrence College, um, which is a small liberal arts school outside New York. And I, we had a lot of like small creative writing classes that were seminars. So it's 15 people around a table. And each week you read two people's stories. Um, and you go first saying things that like you that worked for the story and then comes the critique, which is like the red pen, like all the things that didn't work. And it's it can be like really brutal, but it's also one of the most valuable things you can do for honing your storytelling, your language, your chops, um, and also developing like this trusted community of people that you can go to to evaluate your work. And that just makes people better so much faster than anything else. Um, a lot of times we don't get that, right? We might see that, oh, this post popped off on LinkedIn or TikTok or Insta, and this post didn't, but we don't really know why. Um, so finding those trusted people that can help you hone your craft uh, is just really, really valuable. Um, and I wouldn't discount the importance of doing that. Yeah, I agree. I couldn't agree more with that because uh, I can read a hundred books how to, uh, I don't know, how to do SEO, how to get marketing results, but without doing something, without practice, you can't get results. It's the same, I don't know. Uh, if I read a hundred books, how to play soccer. It's impossible to compete with Cristiano Ronaldo, Lionel Messi, many others who <laughs> prefer to hit a ball thousand times uh, for an hour than <laughs> to yeah. read the book, books how to play soccer. You know, uh, because, for, um, you know, once I got the question uh, from listener uh, uh, and he asked me, if I listen all your episodes, can I become a great marketer? I told, no, you can't. You don't need to listen all episodes. Choose uh, interesting topics, listen to them, and implement, practice, do something because it's yeah. more important than overlearning. You know, uh, uh, for example, people can forget about new insights for a few days. I can forget for a few hours. Give me a new insights, I can forget fast. But if you implement, if you share with others, you can memorize them. You can test and find. Yeah, uh, I. Couldn't agree more with that. Okay, Job, uh, let's talk about the future. Uh, many things are coming. Uh, many of them we have, like ChatGPT. Uh, you mentioned about uh, Playground on OpenAI. So uh, can you tell what kind of future will be in your uh, prediction? Because uh, probably these tools can change the world that we know. And many people are worried is it a good idea to start learning about storytelling, about marketing, if AI will replace humans? What do you think? Yeah, AI is not going to replace humans. Um, it is going to make us a lot more efficient. It's going to be a great tool for our creativity. But ultimately, like marketing itself is a human practice. We're trying to reach other people. Um, so that's really the key, right? It's how we leverage these tools to make us super creators, to make us super marketers. Um, the disciplines that you really need to learn is, is more of the fundamentals, right? Like the, the technologies that you utilize as a marketer and storytelling change, but the craft of it doesn't. Um, and that really comes down to a lot of the fundamentals that we've talked about already. 
like, do you really understand your audience and how to hone compelling messaging to them? Um, do you understand like the fundamentals of storytelling and how to use tension to hook someone in? Um, do you understand how to, you know, just think about making a business case inside of your company, right? And communicating one-to-one -one with your CEO or your CRO, which is probably one of the most underrated skills in marketing because marketing is really misunderstood and the attribution often isn't clear of the impact that you're having. So can you tell a story about what your team is doing internally, right? And have all those soft skills um, to be able to grow your program and do the things that are really going to have the biggest impact. Um, of course, like it's important to be on top of the latest trends. Like with AI, I vacillate between feeling incredibly excited about all the things that I can do. Like Notion AI came out yesterday and like, holy crap, I can create an entire go-to-market plan template with one command and not have to do that myself, which is like one of the things I hate the most. Um, but I, then I also feel anxious, right? Because I know this is going to fundamentally change the way we work, that the people who understand this technology the best are going to have a big competitive edge over everyone else. Um, so how do I make sure that I'm on top of it as much as possible and that my team is experimenting as much as possible so that we do have that edge? Um, so you need to like, I think that anxiety is a good thing to feel right now, but it just means learn how to use those tools to do the things that are always going to be important about marketing and storytelling. Yeah. Yeah. Love it. Love it. Awesome. Uh, and you know, uh, by the way, the hill ask my opinion about AI because, uh, I usually share, uh, controversial opinion. Many people think that writing will be fine. Uh, AI can replace just low and mediocre writers. My opinion is different because <laughs> we are only in the beginning of this AI journey. And yeah, I agree. People uh, will have jobs, but they need to adapt. And I think it's the same like tractors. You know, when farmers got tractors, uh, they uh, forgot about uh, digging manually, you know, this land because tractor can do. But people started to use tractors, you know, uh, farmers started to use tractors uh, to uh, take this land. And I think a AI is the same. People will be uh, controllers, uh, organizers, you know, even writers, for example. You can't compete with AI to write faster, but you can, uh, I don't know, create tasks for AI. You can edit, uh, getting results. Uh, and for me, I think that people will be controllers of the process. Uh, it's my prediction, but we, we will yeah. see, you know, I, future. I, I, I think for certain types of writing, sure, but there's inherent limitations with large language models where they're never probably going to be 100% factually accurate or solve yeah. the hallucination issue. Um, if you listen to like Gary Marcus, um, the author of Rebooting AI, uh, who's founded a bunch of AI companies, he had a kind of viral podcast in Ezra Klein where he broke this down. But he's he's really good to read for sort of like the other the not the the like hype deafening um, or mm -hmm. hype softening opinion on it. Um, I see where you're coming from, but I do think that AI content will never allow us to tap into our own personal stories. Maybe the way we tell that story is increasingly more AI supported than it is today. Um, but there is going to continue to be that desire for like the type of stories that only humans can tell and that a machine can't really replicate. 
Um, yeah. But it's going to be a really interesting future for sure. Maybe, maybe I'm wrong and maybe it will, <laughs> you know, AI will develop its own sense of selfhood and uh, then we're really in trouble <laughs> and be able to, to talk about its experience as an AI marketer. Um, yeah. <laughs> agree. Agree. Okay, Job. Uh, it's a big pleasure to get on my show, to learn from you, tell our audience the best way how to learn more about you, how to read your book, how to reach out to you. Uh, yeah, the book is called The Storytelling Edge. I uh, find on Amazon, Barnes & Noble, where books are sold. Uh, I have a newsletter on the science of storytelling uh, on LinkedIn. So you just search on LinkedIn for The Storytelling Edge or you just follow me on LinkedIn, Joe Laser. Uh, you can sign up for that there. It's read by uh, 137,000 marketers and creators each week. Uh, so I hope you become one of them. And it was great uh, to be here today. Nice, nice. Uh, and the final question about your book, because, you know, I have a huge list of books, a lot of books that I need to read. So uh, and it's hard to choose uh, to read all of them. I need to choose priorities. Can you share benefits? that I can get and my audience can get by reading your book? Sure. You will learn uh, the keys to telling stories that make your audience's brain light up and hook them in. And you will learn how to apply those lessons to create content for your brand uh, and to build and really sell in a brand storytelling or content marketing program inside of your organization. So if this is something you want, you want to tell more stories in your job as a marketer, uh, this book will really help you. Nice, nice. Okay, I'm going to put this book on my list, guys. You need to read this book because you can see a lot of valuable insights. Okay, okay, guys, thanks a lot for listening and watching us. Joe, it's a big pleasure. Thank you again. You know, I love all your insights. So valuable. And see you next time. Thanks for listening to this entire podcast. Please rank your experience in Apple, Spotify, Google, or any other platforms that you may use. Also, please share your ranking mark on chat at seotools.tv to get a special gift. We'll see you soon on other valuable audio podcasts.